Hello, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of US Dronecast. My guest this week is Mako Reactra. She is an FPV drone racer who got to represent the United States at the 2020 World Games. We'll talk about what it takes to race drone and how she practices at home. We'll also talk about her international all-women drone team who gets to compete in events around the globe. She'll also share her experience at the World Game and what it was like for her to wear the Team USA jersey. Now, before we get started, don't forget about AZ Drone Fest. It's just around the corner on October 7th. You can register and find out all the information at azdronefest.com. Now, let's get right into this week's episode with my guest, Mako Reactra. Welcome to US Dronecast, a podcast dedicated to drones, aerial cinematography, safety, commercial, and recreation. So get ready for engaging discussions, insightful interviews, and expert insights from top-notch professionals in the drone industry. Subscribe now and follow us on social. Mako Reactor, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time today to be with us. Not a problem. I'm really excited to be here with you. So introduce yourself. What is this name? Where does it come from? <laughs> my name is Mako Reactra. That's my pilot handle for flying FPV drones. And it actually came from a pretty old video game that came out, I think, in the 90s called Final Fantasy VII. It's still around today. I think they're on the 16th game now. So it's, last, it's left a lasting impression. <laughs> Very nice. So obviously uh, you're an FPV racer. Talk to me about how you got into this sports. Yeah, I started flying back in 20, winter of 2017, really small, tiny move drones that look like this. And then I live in Maine, so the weather here is pretty tough in the winter. We can't really fly too much outside in the winter. So once the snow melted, I kind of upgraded to the outdoor drones. And I got in with a crew. My husband flies too. We both got in with a crew locally and they happened to race. We weren't really sure we were going to go right into racing. We kind of wanted to be freestylers and just kind of go wherever we wanted to go and take in the environment. But these guys were racing with gates and everything. So we went right into that and I just fell in love. I was racing a freestyle drone at the time because like I said, I really thought I was going to be into that. Um, and since then... I've been flying with multi-GP drone racing. I've been flying with Drone Champions League, um, which is online right now through the simulator, and I manage a all-women's team. And I went to the World Games back in 2022 representing the United States um, in FPV drone racing, which actually it was their first year in the World Games. So that was pretty exciting. What was it about racing that got your attention? Like, I know you're saying you were free-flying and... But what, what was that first experience that said, man, I'm hooked. This is what, this is what I want to do. <laughs> uh, I think it's a little bit about way, the way my brain works, honestly. I didn't, I thought I wanted to just kind of fly wherever, but I really wanted to be told where to go, I guess. <laughs> but it's really like the, the speed aspect, the adrenaline rush. Because if you're freestyling, you know, you can rip pretty hard. But when you're flying race skates, you're going as full throttle as you can. And you have to get really good at proximity, and that's really fun. I, I really like to strive for perfection and keep trying to break my times and, you know, beat my, my friends <laughs> racing too. Well, I mean, so a little bit. 
competitiveness there too. Yeah, no doubt. I bet there is. <laughs> but you know, you joke around saying, "Oh, I wanted to be told where to go," but that that is something that that is challenging when it's not like just you flying wherever you want, and you have to find those lines and you have to stay within those those gates. So, talk to me about kind of like finding those lines. Yeah, there's a few uh, ways to do it. If it's a big race, they'll put the track on a simulator so we're able to fly the track ahead of time and really perfect those lines. Um, a lot of times we don't get to fly the track ahead of time. We get there and we do a course walk. So someone will take us around and show us where to go. And we fly in goggles. So I like to watch the fastest pilots fly first um, to kind of see their lines and you know the shortcuts that they can, the ways they cut time. So I'll do that a bit, and then we get a couple practice rounds, and and then we're racing. So for a guy like me who's never flown FPV, so I'm on the cinematography side, like I find it fascinating. But then I see you practice, or I, I saw some videos of you racing, and I, I, I can't I can't even like comprehend how you remember like the course. Like it's just like <laughs> nonstop spinning, and I'm like I don't even know how you remember where to go. I know it feels really good at this point. When I first started flying, you know, my hands were shaking because you're just, you don't want to hit a gate. You don't want to hit another drone. Um, you don't want to break your gear because you're constantly breaking your gear in drone racing. You have to rebuild and repair all the time. So it was a little scary at first, but now I feel like I've developed a real flow in flying and it just feels so good. It's almost like you become one with the drone and you're in that cockpit. Um, you're not in a chair anymore. Your feet aren't planted. You're actually flying. It just kind of takes over all your senses at wow. that point. That's such a cool, a cool description because, yeah, I, again, for not having put on the goggles, like, but I, I can totally imagine what that feeling would be like. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, well, my husband, uh, my husband used to ride motorcycles and I would ride a, a scooter that was modded out. And we sold our bikes, but he said that flying a drone gave him more of an adrenaline rush than uh, riding his motorcycle. So, and it's much safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might give true. you a little bit of an idea too. So what is it like? So, so now you, I, I know you mentioned a bunch of the team that you race with and, and you manage a women's team, which by the way, I want to talk about that too, but what is it like? Are you traveling quite a bit or is it, or is it mostly on simulator right now? Um, I traveled a lot last summer for the World Games and I went to multi-GP champs in Florida, but I've kind of like taken a little bit easier this summer because we did so much traveling last summer. So I stayed home. Usually we go to Indiana, um, like I said, Florida. So I'm, I'm racing more locally this time around, focusing on some other things, managing the team. The team is online right now. In past years, the team racing has been and um, live in person, but since COVID, it's been virtual. And they are moving, trying to move it back to live racing. So um, I'm managing that team and we're doing that online and we start back up at the end of the month. So we'll have some recording days and then they'll start airing some races. Okay. Um, but we recently had a pilot go to Dubai for an exhibition online race to kind of just expose more people to drone racing. Because a lot of people don't know what it is and When you see it in person, you're, you're mesmerized, you're instantly curious. Well, talk about the growth of the sport, because obviously like DRL is on TV. Um, there's, I don't know if you're familiar, there's another uh, uh, major league drone racing yeah. that's here in Arizona and in a few other states. Talk to me about the progression of the sport. Where do you see it going? Yeah, I think it's really picked up quite a bit. Um, 
there was a lull with COVID and I think it's kind of like picking up more because DRL went virtual, you know, um, before COVID they had people in stadiums watching them. Um, so they got back to that. They had a final in Miami last year um, or not too long ago. And of course, multi-GP is going strong. We had um, a few extra hundred people, I think, compete in the global qualifier this year compared to last year. Um, Drone Champions League, like I said, is trying to get back to in-person racing. So I think um, it's definitely becoming more and more popular. I have local people all the time trying to get into the hobby. Um, I think it's becoming more popular in schools, so we'll see it grow as that becomes more of a thing too. Um, and I think the cinematic side, you know, your side of it, I think some of those pilots are getting interested in the FPV. You know, DJI has the FPV drone now. Um, and a lot of the pilots who do FPV have transitioned to the cinematic side and they're flying in big movies with their FPV drones. So it's, it's really cool to kind of see the different drone um, aspects come together like that. And I think it will only grow the hobby more. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like, you know, it used to be like FPV racing and FPV cinema cinematography was almost like two different worlds and it looks like they're merging because at the end of the day, I think the main skill here is is the piloting, um, yeah. which in normal aerial cinematography and what I do, the piloting is the easy part. The cinematography is the hardest part. But but in FPV, I think it's reverse. It's still about the pilot skill yeah. set. Right. Well, how do you so talk to me about your hours, your training? How much time do you put into your skills? Uh, well, I'm a teacher, so that works out really well for me because I have the summer off, so I'm able to practice weekly. I set up tracks at my house a lot in the backyard. I'm always switching them out to new tracks. Um, I'll set up ones at local fields, but I raced a lot in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Those are probably the two places I raced the most. Um, we have a big crew here in the Northeast, but I do, um, I hear a lot about the Arizona drone racing, especially their night racing with all the LED gates. I'd love to get out there and see that. And I've heard about major league drone racing. I know, I think they're out West mostly now, but I'm hoping they come to the East because I would love to participate in that too. Um, but just training through the summer. Uh, we have unfortunately had a bunch of races canceled this summer. Our weather's been just like constant rain. Uh, so I have the one this weekend I'm hoping to get to. And then our season goes until probably November. And then once November hits, these little guys again. So I'll show you the difference. This is like my five-inch racing drone because like the propellers are five inches. And then this is the indoor drone. So we'll go back to these in November. This is just kind of past the time. Do you still, even with the mini, and you, is that the mini whoop? Is that what you, you call those, the little one? Uh, these are called tiny whoops. Tiny whoops. That's what like people call them, yeah. Do you still get some of that same feel as far as the practice on the stick? I mean, I'm sure the adrenaline is different, but as far as the, the, the stick uh, muscle memory, do you still get that with that? I think it's good to an extent, but honestly, I don't think it benefits me very much because there are different flying modes, as you probably know. There's acro where you can flip and roll, which is what I fly with these big guys outdoors. Um, but the little tiny whoops, I haven't transitioned to that mode yet. So I'm flying stability or angle mode. So it's kind of leveling itself out and correcting itself. Um, 
I still have full manual control over it. But so I think it hinders me a little bit because I, I can't flip and I can't roll. So it's kind of limiting me. And then I go back to these and I've got full reign. Yeah, especially when we see you. Yeah, well, especially when we see you practice in your backyard and all you do is flip and roll. I bet it would be a little tricky. When you practice in your backyard, do you same thing? Do you set yourself a course and you say I have to go through through this particular order, or do you just kind of fly through the obstacles? Sometimes I'll just fly through the obstacles. Sometimes I'll pick a few obstacles and practice certain things. Like there's something called a corkscrew where you go through three gates spiraling. Maybe I'll practice that. Or I have a dive gate and I'll just do dive after dive after dive. So sometimes just practicing certain elements. Um, but I'll usually have a course where I, I say I have to go a certain way. And um, I'm also curious about the simulator. Do you get those sensations too on, on the simulator? Is it like, because I watch it, I'm like, man, it's, it's so realistic. But, but from your perspective, do you still get the same feel? Yeah, I think I think it is pretty good. There is definitely a difference. It feels like a little bit more floaty. And on the simulator, I'm flying a seven inch quad because drone champions league is um, larger drones a little bit. And I'm flying a five inch drone. So they're heavier and they, they're a little bit slower, honestly, but I can fly faster in a simulator because the worry of crashing and, you know, you know, having to buy new parts or repair your drone or even like walking the shame, you know, doing the walk of shame to go get your drone. You don't have to do any of that. So it's really nice to have that to practice with, especially when it's like you can't fly outside because once it gets cold, the ground's really hard. And once you hit the ground, you know, you'll explode your stuff. I will set up gates in the snow a little bit. Um, and I'll usually have my hair dryer on standby because <laughs> if you know, <laughs> you crash, you're going to get it soaked. <laughs> Listen, I'm in Arizona. We don't understand what you just said. Yeah, I feel like, What's that? <laughs> but I, I guess I can relate. We wouldn't do that in the summertime either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in in what you race, um, does everybody have the same uh, equipment, or is it still pretty different from racer to racer? Uh, well, everyone builds their own drone. So it's all custom and I have a bunch of sponsors. So I fly certain, you know, gem fan propellers, um, D quad frames. So a lot of people who have sponsors are committed to those brands. Um, and a lot of those brands are the top brands. So, you know, most people are flying just, a, you know, three or four or five, maybe different brands. And yeah. the frames, for example, these frames, there's only really two or three companies that are like really popular that everyone's flying. But from a so, from a um, from a technology or a performance base, are they pretty similar, even though they're using different components? Good question. Uh, I fly a lot of open class, so and and drone racing is great because anyone can do it. You know, people who are in a wheelchair, people who are 80 years old, people who are 10 years old. It's just anyone can do it. Doesn't matter. Um, so we have some people flying little guys like this that are just you know a couple inch propeller. Um, and then we have people like flying the big ones like me. We have different batteries. So I fly 6S, which is a little bit more powerful battery. You could fly 4S if you wanted to. That's what I started with. Um, so people kind of will do different things like that. But they really focus on getting the weight down, though. The, you know, the lighter it is, the faster it's going to fly. So you mentioned um, that you're a teacher. Uh, we, we have some footage of you um, flying in, in your classroom. Talk to me about the kids and kind of like 
their approach to seeing drones like those are, that's the generation that just grew up with it right so what is that <laughs> going to look like later on i know i'm excited for them um over the years i've kind of introduced it slowly in my classroom and this past year was the first year i had the kids flying um, they were flying those little indoor ones that I showed you, and they don't even have a camera on them, so they were just doing line of sight, you know, toy drones off of Amazon. Um, so they're they just love it, they adore it, and they they always want to fly. And they're you know I said it as a reward, so some of them will spend they earn you know prizes throughout the time, and they'll spend it to to fly the drone. But it's cool because I'll be able to show them you know it's. It's not an easy hobby. It's something you definitely have to work at. And you're going to, you know, like I said, break your drone. You're going to have to repair it. You're going to get frustrated a lot. But flying makes it all worth it. And it's cool that I'm able to show them, you know, them setting goals, that I'm persevering through these challenges, and that I'm, you know, I'm able to be successful with hard work. And it, it's not just in the classroom, but outside the classroom. So I'm glad I can show them that. Yeah. You, you mentioned like uh, the fact that it's become a little bit more popular. Um, do you see a specific type of people that get into the sports or, or like you're saying, it's super uh, a variety of people, like from, from like you're saying, yeah. the 80 year old all the way down to the kids? Well, there's definitely a lot of engineers who fly. I'm not going there. There's tons of engineers, but it really is for everybody. Like I said, when I look at the kids, all kids like it. You know, it's not just those nerdy kids. The sport, I, the, my best flying kid was someone, the most athletic kid in the classroom, actually. Yeah. So, like I said, it's for everybody. And next uh, next school year, which is coming up soon, I'm starting a club once a week. So I'm taking it even further this year coming up uh, for middle school kids. So I teach fourth grade. So I'm going to go up to a little bit higher level kids to, to get them maybe um, building a little bit because there are different types of drones that you can build where you don't have to solder and it's all plug and play. And there's something called drone soccer that I want to show them. Um, so I'm hoping that with this push in STEM in schools and, and having a drone club, we'll see more people getting into aviation. I mean, it doesn't even have to be drones. We need pilots. That's for sure. Yeah, no, it's just the, kind of like the entry to a bunch of different science uh, yeah. aspect for sure. Um, talk to me about um, the, the women's uh, team that you have and, and, and the role and, and the, um, how well women are doing in this sport. Um, so I'm, I'm actually co-managing the team with someone else. Um, she, she owns Drone Zone, New Jersey. Her name is Diane. And um, I'm also a pilot on the team. And we have seven other women from all over the world, Taiwan, um, here in the USA, South Korea, Ireland, um, just all over the world. It's really fun to bring everybody together. Hard with time zones, but fun. <laughs> it's early <laughs> so for some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And racing is tough because everyone's from all over the world. The, you know, the teams are from all over the world. There's a team based in China. There's a team based in Spain, you know. So I had to fly a race at 3 a.m. You know, I had to be up at 3 a.m. all the way to 10 a.m. So it is tough, but it is a lot of fun getting everybody together because when we race locally, we don't fly with other women. We don't fly with other females. Um, I have to go to a national or an international race to be able to do it. So to build these connections and inspire more girls to, and women to fly is what our goal is. And we've, we've done that already. We've had women reach out to us um, to join our team, we're starting back up 
at the end of the month and we can add two pilots to our team and we've already had a bunch message asking to be on it. So it's really exciting to see where the sport is headed and, the, and these women are all talented. They're, they're competing alongside the men, you know, getting to the semifinals. So they're not, you know, they're not at the bottom of the, the, the rankings. They're doing really well. Yeah, I mean, you would sure. you would think that, you know, uh, there is no limitation on why a woman shouldn't do as well or better than a man. Like this one is is kind of like it levels the playing field, right? Right. Yeah. I'm um, just not sure why there are so few that do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I, I'm sure, you know, and I, I'm guessing it's kind of the same um, in most industry. It's more like from an early on, they're not exposed to some of those things. And, and, and then it just gets, you know further down the line and it's the same problem but yeah i think i think you're doing a great job like you know more pe more more young girls see you and, and see what you do i'm sure they'll want to to uh to join in so where can they find information where they where can they go to to learn more about your team uh well they can go to our mock one facebook page we have a group and a page and we have an instagram so they can find us there they can reach out to me at any point mako reactra i'm on instagram as well Good. Um, let's talk about the the World Games a little bit. So you mentioned you you represented uh, the U.S. in in 2022. Um, mm -hmm. Was it in um, Birmingham or yeah, Alabama? Birmingham. Yeah. Talk to me about that experience. What was it like for you to put on the the USA jersey? Uh, <laughs> it's so hard to like talk about. I I almost have imposter syndrome because <laughs> never when I started flying did I think I would be competing at that level, um, the global stage. And in the World Games, I had never even heard of it, so I had to do some research. Um, it's very similar to the Olympics. It's like, it's like the step before the Olympics and the Olympic Committee you know, oversees it. And if a sport becomes an Olympic sport, that is often the avenue it takes. Um, so it's a lot of interesting sports. It's, you know, I saw, I didn't get to see, but on the list there was sumo wrestling, park, core, disc golf, uh, paragliding, something basic as baseball, you know, so it was a great variety. And this year was drone racing's inaugural year. So to think that it's sort of like a tech e-sport type of sport to include that is really kind of um, special. It's just so different. And maybe that will be a gateway to other sports similar to that. Um, but it but it happened in Birmingham, Alabama. It took place over about a week. They basically closed down the city. It was beautiful. Um, we stayed in, on campus at the college. Um, all the athletes stayed there, which is so weird to say athlete. Like who would think a drone racer would be an athlete? But <laughs> so we stayed on campus. Got to. It was just really cool getting there and seeing everybody in their jerseys. You know, all the different countries for all the different sports. It was just sort of a sensory overload. And then uh, the opening ceremony, gosh, I almost went right into the racing, but the opening ceremony was something similarly to what you'd see at the Olympics. Um, performances, everyone came out with their flags and their uniforms, the stands were filled. And it was really exciting to have it in the US because we got to feel that sort of home field advantage. You know, everyone was just so excited to see the whole um, US team come out. So that was a huge moment, just seeing everybody. Um, 
it was so overwhelming. And then we sat down and got to see the performances and the fireworks. And then finally we got down to business. Uh, we did qualifying the first day and we got to fly five, I think it was four to five rounds on the track. And they had released it earlier on simulator. So it was great. We already knew the track. It was just like finally flying in person. And to my relief, I felt like it was easier in person than it was on the simulator. So it was nice because I'm used to flying in grassy fields. That's typically where a drone race happens. I know DRL is different, but you know, the local races, multi-GP around the country is all basically field racing. So this was in a stadium, you know, metal stands. We're used to crashing in soft grass, not metal stands. So um, crashing was not forgiving. Anyone who crashed basically destroyed their drone. And they allowed us three drones and spare parts galore if we wanted to repair or rebuild. Um, we had to have LEDs on them uh, because there were going to be spectators and we don't get a lot of spectators in local drone racing. You know, it's hard to follow a, a drone going at that speed. So they asked us to put on 40 LEDs. I'm going to plug it in for you. Um, so it looked pretty cool at night. And um, nice. you, you could change the color of them. So like I flew under pink and then I flew under yellow and that way people know who is who. Um, so after our qualifying, I, was, I did my rounds and I was really excited because, well, first it poured and I only got a few rounds in. So I was really nervous about having that big break in between and then coming back the next day. But I got my best time my last round and then we went into bracket racing. So that's basically double elimination. You go up against um, a total of four people. So I didn't get very far in bracket racing, unfortunately. <laughs> but we had 10 women there. And that is like the first time I have ever flown with that many women in my life. It was so incredible to have 10 women there and a total of 32 people flying. Wow. So there was one male and one female from racing from each country um, for the most part. So I came in fifth for female and I came in like 27th overall. So uh, not listen, there's, no, there's nothing to be ashamed about that. That's amazing, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I was so just in awe of being there. I thought I was going to yeah. be a lot more nervous flying, and I thankfully I wasn't. Um, and it was really cool meeting the other pilots because these are people that I only really see online usually, and you know they're the top pilots all around the world. So that was that was one of my favorite things was meeting everybody that I look up to. And where 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 are the top pilots? Is there a specific country that's really really good? Uh. Or is it just kind of like everywhere? It has um, quite a few really good pilots. And I think it was, was it last year? There's one pilot in particular, his name is Noikel, and he actually lives within a couple hours of me and I race with him and he's always in the top three. Um, so he's really good here in the US. Um, MCK, Minchin Kim, he's a popular name. He was He won DRL this year. He's from South Korea. Um, um, he's really good. He's probably the best in the world right now. That's so cool. So how would you encourage um, anybody? What would you say the steps are in order for them to start getting into the sport? Um, I think finding other people that do in your area is really important because it's hard to find races. Um, we had to set up our own races for a while to make it happen. And so it, it's always been like a real team effort. Um, everyone comes from states all over to help out. 
So if you find that group of people, um, multigp.com, that is the racing league that I belong to, and it's the biggest racing league in the world. So you'll find a chapter. There's usually chapters in every state. Um, so you can find that group of people, and they perhaps are running races already, and you can join in with them. A lot of them fly freestyle too, so if you're not into racing, you can you can do that sort of thing. And really, we're we're so open to beginners. Like you can come, and you don't even have to fly the track the way it's designed. You know, we want you to just come and have fun. So, no matter how much experience you have, you're welcome. That's awesome. And I saw on 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 your I think your YouTube channel, you have some videos where. You are just freestyling or, or maybe even getting into the cinematography side of things a little bit. Um, I think there's some where you're, you and your husband are flying together. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that, that transition towards the cinematography side. Yeah, I love, um, I've always loved photography. I thought I was going to be a photographer for a while. So I think it totally just makes sense. Um, and we have such great landscape and seascape up here in Maine with, you know, lighthouses, the ocean, we have marshes, we have mountains. So I just, you know, you can't race all year. You have to spice it up a little bit and do some other things. So I, we love doing chasing jobs. Like we've chased some snowmobiles and did a job as an advertisement for a snowmobile company. Um, I fly inside a lot. I love flying in schools. I'm doing a school job coming up soon because they just built a new school and they want to show the families. Um, I love, ch like I said, chasing things, chasing race cars. I've done that a little bit. Um, RC boats, um, other drones. So yeah, all of that stuff is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. There's just so much you can do with drones. You, you'll never be bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. So what's fun. next for you? Any big plans or what's, uh, what are you looking forward to? Oh, right now, I just have to think about going back to school, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah. I've got to get the drone club going. That will be fun. I've got to buy some drone kits that are already put together and um, a drone soccer ball. I'll show you real quick. I was telling you I'm going to get them into that because they have this casing around them. So it's a nice step before you get into, you know, the propellers being so exposed. That's so cool. Is and that so you, you mentioned drone soccer. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. You can um, fly them and you can fly them through a goal. So there's two teams. And then do they so. try to like stop it like they have a goalie? Yeah, they have a goal. They have defense that they just like hit off each other, you know, and then they have only one person who's offense. So that's kind of, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. I think this was great. And uh, we'll make sure we'll send people to um, your Instagram and, and all the different teams you mentioned. We'll put all those links in there. But uh, good luck to you. We, we're looking forward to seeing where um, where it takes you next. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see how the drone film festival goes. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And and we we try to do some races there too. I mean, we do the the mini ones. Um, yeah. I think it's the the, the mini whoop they do, not the, or maybe the tiny. Um, but yeah, that's great. I think last year we had uh, two teams from the NLDR that came out, um, and uh, they were not supposed to fly, but they couldn't help it. And so eventually, like <laughs> I just heard this huge, crazy, like almost like formula one sound coming and I, I looked around and he was just zipping around everywhere 
but the, <laughs> like you guys are so in control of those drones. It was unbelievable to, you know, because we have a flight area that was pretty small, but to mm -hmm. see him like be able to control that drone within that area was just absolutely amazing. So um, I got to find ways to, to, to unleash that a little bit and, and let them uh, demo that a little bit more. But we would love to have you at some point. Um, we, it would be awesome to, to, to have you be a part of that. So hopefully we can chat in the near future, okay? All right. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to U.S. Dronecast. For more information about upcoming episodes and to learn more about our upcoming Drone Film Festival, subscribe now and follow us on social or visit us online at usdronecast.com.